This is The Safari. The Safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer brand and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. In the haircare and beauty industry, there's really no one more well-known as an individual than Frederick Fakai. Uh, his name is synonymous with luxury, with fashion, with beauty, uh, and with France. And it's really thrilling for me to catch up with him. He's a friend, but also uh, I really followed his career for all of mine. And um, we talk about sustainability and media and how to build a brand uh, in the 21st century. He runs two brands, uh, Bastide, and he, he recently purchased his uh, namesake brand back, uh, Fakai. And he is um, really a great thinker, a charming individual, and someone who is um, incredibly progressive when it comes to wellness and mindfulness uh, in consumer products and luxury today. So let's get started. Frederick, thank you so much for joining me on the safari. Thank you, Mort, for having me. That's I mean, I love, uh, I told my daughter that I was going on a safari this morning. <laughs> Good. Yes, they are indeed. Our daughters are friends, which is wonderful. Um, they'll be very happy to hear themselves. There we go. Cecilia and Daisy are mentioned on the safari. They're going to be thrilled. So um, thank you for, for doing this. And obviously, there's a lot to cover because you've had this incredible career and in some ways have just reinvented it yet again. Obviously, your namesake brand has had, um, you sold it very successfully and then now most recently uh, have repurchased it uh, and put it into a holding company named Blue Mistral, uh, which is, for the English people here, Blue Mistral, mm -hmm. uh, or the Americans, I should say, which has Bastide and Fakai and Atelier Fakai. So tell us a little bit about um, the, the, the backstory first. I mean, there's, there's so much to deal with today, but let's at least spend a, a few moments talking about how you got into this CPG business and the, the, sort of the, the beauty business and the hair care business uh, starting in France. Yes, thank you. Well, Mort, this is a, you know, it's like, uh, it's not a business plan really written. You know, this life is a, uh, happened organically. Uh, I came here in New York after living in Paris, where I was working for a French company called Jacques de Sange. And also, I was also working as a consultant for the big group L'Oréal. And uh, uh, when I arrived here in 1983, you know, we launched the first salon, a French Jacques de Sange salon. And uh, um, soon after, I thought I was coming here for one year mm. and then move on to another city. And soon after that, I realized that New York was really fantastic. You, you have to remember the 80s in New York was unbelievable. <laughs> it was really amazing. That's a whole other podcast. Exactly, I exactly. So, so, um, so uh, I came here and then uh, sh uh, shortly after I got a call, 
and you would remember that from Don Mello. Of course. A bird of Goodman. Bird of Goodman. Yes. Who uh, have, was tipped by Ralph Lauren and, uh, and Calvin Klein uh, that uh, uh, I was the stylist, the hairdresser to go see uh, to take over their salon at Birdoff. So she came to get a haircut with me incognito. And um, I didn't know which she was and did her hair. Just a couple hours later, I got a call. Uh, to meet with her, and at the time, Ira Niemark, the CEO. Yeah, the late Ira Niemark. Yes. So they offered me the salon, which was on the seventh floor, and to take over. Uh, so I didn't have the money uh, at the time, but also I was, you know, I was French, so I didn't realize that you could run a salon on the seventh floor. You know, I thought it was everything was on the mainstream, on the mm -hmm. on the ground floor. So I declined it. And uh, two days later, my fortune came. But when I went to have dinner at Indochine with the whole group at the time, yeah. you know, Calvin Klein and uh, Steve Robert, Bianca Jagger, Jan Schrager, all of this. And I realized that Calvin came to me and says, so how did the meeting go? And I say, Well, great. I think uh, uh, Don is a lovely lady and uh, store is magnificent. But, you know, that salon looked like a warehouse on the seventh floor. So I said, no. He says, are you stupid? <laughs> This is the most amazing department store in the whole United States. You could just change it, do whatever you want. And, and, and this is, there's nothing better than that. So I took it over. I went back and... Didn't know what to do. So I went back and I said, how do I get this back? So I called Don Melo and I say, Don, I have an idea. Can we change the model? I don't like hair salons. So can we do something different? And I said, and what do you have in mind? So I said, why don't we have, I want to have the beauty institute. I want to have the salon. I want to have the cafe as well. And I really want to do an environment. Mm -hmm. And I want to change the way salons are. And I want, I don't want this old fashioned, you know, it was owned previously by a, a Roman uh, Sergio Valente, a uh, hairdresser of Valentino. So it was really, you know, like uh, ornate, ornate, uh, you know, baroque. I said, I don't want that. I want more sleek, more modern. And she looked at me. She said, stay here for a second. And A couple of minutes later, she came back with Ira, Ira and they were very excited about the idea. And that's how I created my first salon in 1989, who was called by Women's Wear Daily the first day spa. So this is where I revolutionized the idea of salon because at the time there was no cellular phone. So every station had a landline for every customer. Mm. Um, we had lunch, breakfast. So, so they never wanted to leave, right? No, exactly. And then I also changed the way the salon was. So the reception, was, we were not making any appointment there. It was really a reception. You, we welcomed the customer. The, 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 the customer service agent, as I call them, the receptionist, they were just dedicated to welcoming grid. Yeah. And then the, the, the back office would make the appointment. 
And then also we, we separated away the color department, you know, because salons were messy. Everybody was doing hair, color, and the same stations. Mm. So I separated a technical color department on one side, the styling department. Then I created a lounge. And then I also created a beauty bar who was actually run by Bobby Brown. Mm. And this was an amazing knee hive because, uh, 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 beehive, sorry. It, it, it was all the ladies from, you know, uh, uh, the VIP ladies of New York, Cindy Crawford, uh, Linda Evangelista, Naomi Campbell, uh, Barbara Walter, uh, Kelly Couric, all I'm dating myself here, but all these incredible people. It was unbelievable. John John Kennedy. Yeah. Um, it, it was fantastic. What's really interesting about hearing you speak about the, the, the way you, the service level, uh, was, and we, if there's been a theme over the last three or four podcasts, um, we had Ken Himmel uh, yesterday uh, here from Related talking about the importance of hospitality in retail. Same with the guys from Value Retail, Scott Malkin and, and Rossi uh, from Milk Studios about how they were almost like the factory, you know, of, uh, of Andy Warhol. This notion that um, you hire people from the hospitality industry to create environments, right? And so... Feels though you in your industry were uh, like them in their own ways in their different fields, uh, doing the same thing. Yes, and Jan Schreger. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. And so I think the, um, the the amazing thing is that you started this this business. You wrote it all the way up. Uh, you sold it very successfully, and then um, you sold it to Procter and Gamble. Is that right? That's right. And how did that feel selling your namesake brand? You know, it's it's interesting because at the time uh, uh, I had a partner, you know, a private equity partner, and uh, uh, they wanted to sell. So I had no choice to sell, and the price was very attractive, which is great. But then later on, you know, I realized a couple of years later that the brand were not going in the direction I thought it was going to go. So... Their vision collapsed. Mm. They didn't follow through. They changed management, and we know the from the headlines what happened after that to, with PNG. They got distracted with too many things and had to sell many brands. So, so later on, you know, I got so bored and I was looking at finding other brands and even in fashion. And then I came across this beautiful little brand in France called Cote Bastide was run by a, a family. And I thought, my God, you know, I'm going to do the opposite of what PNG does, Unilever, all this thing. I'm going to go artisanal. Mm-hmm. And that's how we started to create this, you know, rebrand Bastide to mm-hmm. Bastide and use only artisan manufacturers that were family-owned and do clean beauty. So for the listener who knows your namesake brand now, Fekai, uh, in the hair care space, describe Bastide and the products that it sells. So Bastide is, is basically a wellness lifestyle brand. It's all sensual soil. It's originated from the south of France, the southeast of France, Aix-en-Provence. Mm-hmm. And it's really based about all the ingredients from Provence. And uh, it's, 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 it's all natural. It's eco-friendly, uh, it's sustainable, um, 
And and this is for me was the, the way we live today. So it was a great segue to enter beauty. That way, you know, my wife and I and the kids changed several years ago the way we live. We mm. f- be careful. We are very cautious about the ingredients we use. I know you do too. You know, um, uh, uh, the ingredients we use for food, uh, drinks. The way we don't uh, we uh, we ban plastic mm. many years ago in our house. Mm. Um, we want to make sure that we are aware and live, you know, a, a relevant way today. So Bastide is, a, is the, the answer to that. Bastide is a, basically a beauty line that is clean, with non-toxic, with a, 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 a recyclable and recycled plastic. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brand that uh, uh, carries to very century also. It's, you know, it's very great sense, uh, uh, great sensory product uh, for body, for face, and and, and uh, fragrances. And I think if I could just make a, an observation, which I think is quite wonderful and very modern, even though it sounds quite old-fashioned, it's actually very modern in branding. Um, that you, when when people talk about a family business, you one think one doesn't usually see the family. The family is sort of who runs the business, and I find it very touching how your family, inclu- including the children, not very much, mm-hmm. but sometimes mm-hmm. are seen in some of the ways that you present the business. It's almost as if you're inviting people into your home in Aix-en-Provence and bringing everyone along for the ride. And I think it's very, very progressive and um, and really shows that you're treating your clients maybe just the way you're treating your children. I think that's a really, that's, that's what I got away from it. Thank you. That's key. Actually, you know, I, I keep saying this to to, to everyone who work with me. So we want to make sure that we develop product and that every idea we have is something that we would like to have for ourselves, for our home. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, do we want that? Would we try that? Would we wear that? Would we use that? And if the answer is yes, then we go for it. But you're right. It has to be, it's like, you know, uh, it's Christmas time now. It's holidays. You know, you it's about a gift. So I don't want to do a, a send a gift to somebody that I wouldn't want for myself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and that's the same thing for business. So Bastide, you you um, launched with with Shirin, your your wife, and um, she's hugely involved with the business right alongside you, or maybe you right alongside her, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as is probably the case. Um, and now you have everything under uh, uh, one roof under Blue Mistral. Um, so talk about the other two businesses. Fakai has recently bought back. Um, you also have Atelier Fakai. What's the difference between th- those two businesses? So first, you know, to say the Bastille that gave me the inspiration to go back in 2018 to buy Fakai back. When I realized that we could do modern beauty. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, let's go back. Let's really reinvent Fakai, rebrand Fakai. And we bought it in November 2018. And uh, when we bought it, we realized that it was no longer one brand, Fekai, but it was two brands. Mm-hmm. The predecessor owner uh, had developed a brand called Atelier Fekai, the one by Atelier Fekai. So um, I'll say, okay, let's do that. So today we developed for Fekai a, a whole line of product that has no silicone, no paraben, so no sulfate, very clean. And we also uh, did the packaging uh, with a mold that we own, uh, made with 95% of recycled plastic, 
uh, we uh, uh, actually uh, uh, are fortunate to have found an amazing uh, uh, manufacturers that in Canada uh, that has mined, they call mined plastic, food-grade plastic. And uh, so it's 95% recycled plastic and it's 100% recyclable. Why 95% is because when you recycle plastic, the color of the plastic is a little bit grayish. Mm-hmm. So we had to paint the plastic and make sure that, uh, you know, uh, uh, we get the right color. But that paint is also 100% recyclable. So that's what, that's how... The, so we have this recyclable plastic. We have this incredible clean formula. And uh, that's for Fekai. And uh, uh, and then we have another brand called Atelier Fekai, which is much more uh, technical. So it's a brand that is uh, more dedicated for styling. Mm. So there is it's treatment, but it's also styling. So there's a professional yes, line. It's we'd call a professional grade. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So therefore, you you have these three businesses. You are back at the helm of your own brand name, and which I find wonderful. By the way, I, as an anecdote, I, I just think the idea of when I read the article that you had done that, I was sort of you know fist pumping for you. Thank you. Um, but I think what's what's so interesting, given your history in the in the industry, you talked about the '80s, about a certain way of you know maybe then by the way it was very va va voom you know the whole uh, the way people what beauty meant to people to women um, I think it's very different today. Um, the idea that maybe even in fashion, uh, the uh, we talked about this uh, actually with Rossi um, about this notion that you as an industry, are pushing something onto people. And today, with social media, with YouTube, with uh, the internet in general, consumers are so educated. They uh, they learn about themselves by what they end up posting because mm-hmm. they start to realize there's a trend about what they actually like, and then they become the editor. Right. They are in control. Absolutely. So how have you seen beauty, in your eyes, change in your career? Because it's it's been an evolution, but... I'd love to hear, and I know everyone else would love to hear, um, some of the anecdotes that you have about the differences today versus in the past. It's a, it's a very good question, uh, Mort. First of all, let's just say this, that, and this is the beauty of it, the innovation, the evolution, all of this is a reaction to the consumer. So, so and whoever do not listen to the customer lose. Mm-hmm. So today, and you, if you see it, even uh, you know the retailers now are f- forcing you to to uh, uh, declare, to announce which product you're using, and to make sure that you fit in different categories. If you're not in a clean beauty, um, so the world has changed, as you said. It's uh, everybody is on the iPhone or the, their smartphone, and they can have access to information right away. Mm-hmm. So. They can check on the product. They can check on the ingredient. They can check on on the reviews and all of this. So you, today you have to be transparent and you have to be performant mm-hmm. and you have to be a true trustfully. So we create lines today that are relevant to the lifestyle of people. Uh, it has to be obviously you know there's different type of beauty. You know there's the 
the beauty that is uh, what I call the Kardashian beauty, you know, mm -hmm. where it's all made up and yeah. all prepared. And then there is, and this is what I, I come in. This is, there's a, this beauty that is about embracing your own beauty. Natural. Natural, yeah. but enhancing it. Enhancing it and making sure that you, 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 you uh, create a beauty with your own beauty and not transforming it for just the sake of transforming it. To someone else, for yeah. someone else's exactly. sake. We'll be right back. I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help think, manage, and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies, we're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry. And it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. Back to the safari. And so th that word natural and organic and paraben free and all, the, all of this, it, it seems that it's becoming uh, table stakes uh, today. I mean, if, if brands who aren't going in that direction, uh, I think probably um, are having some trouble. Though I think at the premium end of the market, it's, one can afford to do that because it's more, it's more expensive to develop those products. Um, do you think that it's going to differentiate or, or lift brands that are more prestige from mastige because it's uh, from a price point perspective it's hard to be as let's say clean uh, at the mass market so it's you're just touching on a very important point two three years ago we couldn't do what we do today the the costs were too high and first of all you couldn't find the ingredients they were not available so today because the demand is higher so we have supply and demand you know so Today, we can uh, afford to do, you know, it's still a little bit more expensive, but it's not as expensive as it used to be. So the, the market is going that direction. I think everybody has to be aligned to it. First of all, the reglementation, even in Europe right mm -hmm. now, uh, it, it's all about that. You know, when I go shopping, you, you do too. When we go to shopping in, in, uh, in Europe, you know, you don't have a plastic bag. I mm. mean, you know. You, you, yeah, they're being banned everywhere. Exactly. Right, yeah. so, Even in New York in some parts. Exactly. So, so it's, it's really about, today, it's really about uh, having great performance, great product with ingredients that they're not necessarily all natural, but they are safe. Mm. And, and that's, that's the, the important thing. So one thing that's a, sort of a random question, but kind of interesting speaking to you, who famously at the beginning of your career was known for color, mm -hmm. uh, for not only creating incredible uh, style and, and coloration for, for your clients, but also products that would maintain the color and et cetera. Color today uh, in the Instagram uh, generation, particularly for Gen Z, I'm noticing that a lot of young women are coloring their hair but they're actually coloring it with colors that you wouldn't expect uh, of our generation. Um, maybe, you know, uh, in, in pinks and greens and blues. And I think of Billie Eilish, uh, the famous, uh, um, you know, uh, YouTube star who became one of the, the biggest uh, musicians of our time. You know, she, her hair is changing color every week. And I'm seeing that happening a lot across that world. Do you think that the hair is now going through a renaissance and that hair care products and color will end up uh, maybe sort of 
catching up with that cultural phenomenon that I just described? This is very interesting. I think it, it, the phenomenon today is actually that millennial and Gen Z wants, want to do the opposite of what their parents did. So you're right. So Isn't that always the case? <laughs> it's always the case. But they are, they are really uh, uh, vocal, very, uh, you know, rebellious about it. And uh, yes, we see all these colors that are absolutely extraordinary, you know, the pink, the lavenders, the green and all this. And then, you know, that same generation is really interested and, and caring about ingredients, hmm. uh, the provenance, the sustainability, you know, the sourcing, all of this. They are very involved. So, so there's two sides of it, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the rebellious side where they use, uh, you know, bleach and very uh, outrageous color, but then they would go and have, you know, a noble tea and uh, organic... Uh, Everything. Egg cream, exactly. But I think what's what's really interesting, though, about what you just said is that presumably the pink, fluorescent pink hair uh, product is not uh, something that is clean, right? And then they go off on the other side. And so there's a yes. there's a there's this interesting thing about wanting to project an image, and if I want to get that image across, I'll do it at any cost, mm-hmm. even if it's not mm-hmm. clean. But then in other parts of my of my life, I will I'll be um, more true to what I believe. It's exactly. kind of interesting. Speaking about sort of certain renaissances that are happening, Rossi again, I keep on referencing him because uh, I think he's a guy that you, you and he have similar views in the world um, from from Milk. Uh, but this idea that, that these young people are, are going through a renaissance. There's another renaissance that's happening uh, that is in the men's beauty space. Um, do you have uh, thoughts and, and opinions on what's happening in, in the men's business? Will it grow the way people seem to think it's going to grow? Or is it something that may be a little bit overplayed? You know, I think men always comes a little bit later. And the, the reason is, uh, at least in the United States, is men are consuming. They, they are consuming consumers online or their spouse will do the, the buying for them. So so they're basically reactive of what their wife uh, will, will buy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the good news about the men is that it's, it's a very fast-growing business. Before, men were really much generic in their regiment of beauty. Mm-hmm. Today, we realize that actually using you know, they used one or two products before. Now they're using two, three products. Mm-hmm. So they are caring about uh, the product they're putting on their hair, the shaving cream that they use. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do realize myself that I don't want, you know, any shaving cream. I don't use aerosol or I don't use anything that has, you know, petroleum in it. I'll just go with something very much more organic and healthy. But men are... are Caring, they are caring about beauty. They are they they spending more time about you know they go to have the the hair done. They have they go to have the the even manicure and stuff like that. So I think it's it's interesting the ma- the market and in Asia we know that men are really spending a lot of money uh, on their uh, beauty. Hmm. Moving on to brand building, you know you you have um, always have to look at brand building in the age in which you're doing it. Um, I'm reminded of how when you were selling at the beginning uh, shampoo and, and products to women, a uh, luxury brand, people weren't used to 
spending a lot of money on those products. They were very much generic, uh, over-the-counter, pharmacy-type products. Not dissimilar to at that time, Gloria Vanderbilt started um, giving or producing genes that were double, triple the cost of Levi's, and people thought she was crazy, and, and then you had the premium gene revolution. When you were building the brand, what did you have to do then, and what are you, what, what are you thinking of now about you know how you communicate the what it's worth and and, and why people are um, coming to you versus someone else? It's a very good question. So let's not forget that when I started the business, healthcare were a commodity. You know, both in salons and product. The salons were generic. They were pretty much I called it reactive business. They were waiting for the customer and servicing the customer and that was it. Mm -hmm. And we changed that. We talked about it earlier. But now in product, you know, the same thing. I would see, you know, customer like uh, my wife, your wife, or friends, and you know, they would have a, a, a very expensive uh, handbags or watches, accessories, and, you know, and, and then uh, uh, I would ask them at a, a station, I said, you know, what are you using uh, for your face, for your skin? So it would be uh, for three, four ounce uh, a product like uh, uh, La Mer or uh, La Prairie or so on, which is like $300 for three ounces. And I said, and what do you use on your hair? And that price dropped to six ninety nine, yeah. eight ninety nine. Mm -hmm. So I said, this is not right. It's 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 very it's it's very close another the face to the hair. So I approached the hair care differently. I used instead of going to the uh, hair care labs, I went to the skincare labs and really used the technology of skincare. Skincare were much more advanced, much more innovative, much faster mm. on, on 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 innovation. So I create, uh, created a hair care based on skincare technology and treated the hair like skin. Mm. So if you think about it, skin, uh, um, hair is, is a, uh, you know, there's so many different types and especially with color treated hair. So, so I want to make sure that we had product that were very specific to every, every woman. And that really catered to a different mind and by doing that, you know, I hired at the time Baron and Fabien Baron, the, the art designer, and created a packaging that looked more skincare as opposed to hair care. And I find myself sitting on a shelves next to Chanel or Estee Lauder's as supposed to be in a drugstore yes. uh, next to, um, uh, you know, the mass, mark, mass market brand. So we talked about this... Um touching anything that touches the body you know we talked about plastics we talked about food earlier um ingestibles uh, the, the the benefits of certain products that one can eat um whether they be pills or drinks uh, to benefit the hair the skin whatever it may be do you see ingestibles in the future of any of your brands it's a very uh, uh, you know touching point um it, this is very important to me actually you know again it's the way i live i i use supplement myself so I think it's so important that, uh, and this is what I meant by earlier by being transparent and trust, trustful to the customer. You cannot just sell a cream or a shampoo or conditioner. Yes, you can produce amazing product and all this. You need to guide your customer with what I call supplement. Not necessarily the literary supplement, mm. but supplement of your life. How do you sleep? How do you eat? How do you, you know, how do you live? And, and, what is your deficiency? You need to know your own 
wellness, you know, on beauty to create uh, your 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 uh, a beautiful longevity uh, uh, um, style. So yes, uh, I always suggest to 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 get great uh, supplement to uh, to um, complement your regimen. So inspiration. Um, what's what what's what's keeping you excited? What are the things uh, in the marketplace, uh, events within the consumer landscape that are inspiring you right now? You know, I think it's so great to see that, uh, first of all, because of the technology that we have uh, accessible today, is to create, uh, you know, a universe of product that help everyone finding their own confidence mm -hmm. you know i don't talk about just beauty and style mm -hmm. it's because, swagger yeah. exactly because at the end of the day that's what that's what makes somebody powerful sexy beautiful you know it's about confidence self-confidence and your self-confidence self-confident once you know that whatever you have your claws your glasses your hair your skin feels great mm -hmm. so we have a saying in france to uh, sentir bien dans sa peau, so which means you know f to feel great with your skin, you know, uh, within your skin. So I think that's what it is. To me, it's like you know today the technology helps us is getting better and better. By the way, so we can today our message actually is I creating beauty product to take care of you and the planet. So what do you think about, uh, you, know, you just delivered these messages, which I find are obviously inspirational and something that many people want to hear. There's content that can be developed. There's content that I'm sure you do develop uh, internally. And one of the things you referenced earlier was uh, Inside Out. And I, I talk about in, in, in our work, having companies become inside out and upside down. Upside down meaning have young people inform the older people of what the hell's going on and inside out about being completely transparent and opening sort of the, the, the inner workings of the business to be uh, trust. It, it engenders trust to, to be like that. So how do you uh, build a brand in the age of content? Uh, obviously it's all about product. We know that, but it's increasingly also about communication and the brand being the influencer, not just hiring influencers. Uh, and obviously Your brand is lucky enough to have you and Shirin involved, who obviously are known and, and, and have names. But how, how do you feel about now building brands in the age of content? You know, I wanted to say, you said, you know, it's about product. Let me just say that I see it differently. I think a brand, the product is a derivative of the brand. To me, a brand, it's a story. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an offering. It's a proposal. And if that proposal comes to, to life, the product is great. And, uh, it's, it, it, and that's why it's content. It's, first of all, before producing a product is, what do we do it? What does it bring? How is it affecting not only you, but the environment and everything? So to me, it's about, you know, it's about making sure that you get the customer engaged, excited, buying it when i say buying it not literally buying it buying the idea buying the buying the concept it, yeah. buying into it exactly mm -hmm. so 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 that's that's to me uh, the most exciting part is to make sure that uh, I, i'm communicating with the customer that i'm i'm getting a, a, a feedback i'm getting a, a reaction 
and uh, and then creating a product that uh, 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 is endorsed and uh, we all can go for it. And so but therefore on the communication of that beyond through the product on the website or on Instagram or on YouTube or I mean what are the things that you're playing with even though you may not have done them yet or maybe you're beginning to do them that you feel are other other mediums through which to communicate this same message it's a very good question we are right you know we just bought the brand so we yeah. are really uh, developing a whole uh, i would call production mm-hmm. of uh, of content and uh, and it's 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 obviously uh, being active on all social media instagram tiktok now uh, pinterest i mean i love all this and uh, the podcast today um and uh, you know youtube uh, all of this so we are uh, actually as we speak uh, uh produce uh, having a studio uh buying a studio right now to develop all of this That's fantastic so we are taking this you know more like exactly a production company yeah. uh, and and creating content uh, uh all the time all the time and uh you have been in this industry uh in the, you know people think of you as being in the haircare industry or the beauty industry but really you've also been in the fashion business because it's been about you know the connectivity of beauty to yes the supermodels and the models and the 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 fashion designers and you, so you've had a front row seat um no pun intended to that industry how how do you feel that um is morphing as an industry because we talked earlier about the push versus pull mm-hmm. uh, fashion's always been about you know this is what you should wear and um how do you, how do you think it's changing you know uh, i i to me i'm very interested on the whole picture of someone so i've always been always been interested by fashion and making sure that fashion is the best complement to beauty okay so again it's about confidence it's about style it's for me every time is about guiding and not dictating i i want to make sure it's guiding influencing and uh, perhaps you become directional but influencing consumer mm-hmm. to have a style and fashion is not about trends it's about you know creating ideas the same i approach the same thing as beauty is that making sure it's something that really fits your personality your lifestyle and that becomes a trend because if you do something that is just because it's uh, looking good on instagram today what do you do uh, uh, tonight or tomorrow with it so uh, to me that's the way i approach fashion is about making sure it's really fitting your personality your humor your your lifestyle your and and all of this so so then it becomes a trend so in closing um what's what's next for the the brands of bloomistral uh, what are you excited about what's coming down the pike that you can speak about that um you're quite enthusiastic for you know uh, i'm very excited first of all we are now uh, as i said developing amazing product but uh, creating uh, you know we are going back to Europe where we were before and so we are reopening our business in Europe and we are about to enter also China so I'm very excited about that we have a manager that is based in Hong Kong lots of airplanes in your future <laughs> yes but we have a great manager in Hong Kong that where where we speak every every week uh, we have a conference call every week and just getting a sense of what the market is there and how we 
can go and penetrate and you know we know how different it is and so it's it's very exciting it's just very exciting to see and in fact you know we also just decided last week to have a little advisory board of millennial and very gen good. z so we're going to have five or six young you know a uh, uh, person coming to the office every month and and brainstorming ideas. Well, you know who else did that three years ago? Marco Bizzari at Gucci did what he called the Shadow Executive Committee. And when he had his executive committee meetings, he would put in the room next door the Shadow Executive Committee, and they were everyone had to be under thirty years old. And then they would, at the end, they would mix the meetings and they would learn from each other, right? And so if uh, if Gucci is any testament to what that will do for you, um, I think lots of very good things are about to happen. I agree. I agree. What a, I mean, my hat to Marco. I mean, what a great job they've done. And uh, yes, exactly. It's very inspiring and we hope we get there. Well, it's inspirational to have you. I can, I can feel a completely, uh, you're always a pretty high energy guy, but I have even an even higher level of energy coming off you today. So thanks so much for joining us on the safari today. Thank you, Mart, for having me. If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io, where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. Until next time.